you've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. The biggest secret of the best traders in the world is that they're just like everyone else. However, they've worked hard to learn the markets and discover what works and what doesn't. But how can you hear about these journeys and get in on the strategies and tactics they use? You can do it by listening to Chat with Traders. Here's your host, Aaron Fifield. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 25 of the Chat with Traders podcast. It's great to have you tuned in. This week, I thought I'd change things up a little bit and I'm actually going to reverse the interview. So instead of firing questions at the guests like I normally do, I'm going to be on the receiving end and giving the answers. If you've had the chance to listen to episode one, then you may recall I gave a brief overview right at the beginning explaining where I was at with my trading. Well, things have gradually progressed since then, so I thought this would be a good milestone to update anyone who is curious to know. So to keep things interesting, I brought on Zach Hurwitz, who I'm sure you will remember from episode 11 of the podcast, and he'll be the one asking the questions. Zach's a great friend of mine and is continually guiding me along to becoming a better trader through regular coaching and mentoring, so I couldn't think of anyone better for the job. Plus, Zach also expands on many of my responses with additional insight. So all in all, I hope you find this episode to be valuable in its own unique way. And just before we get into it, if you have any questions or comments for either Zach or myself, just go to chatwithtraders.com forward slash 25, scroll to the bottom of the page and drop in a comment. Both Zach and I will be monitoring this very closely. So if you've got any uh, feedback or responses, just feel free to share them there. All right, team, enjoy this interview and let's talk soon. Hey, Zach, what's going on? Thanks again for appearing on the show for... I guess we could call it maybe round two. Round one and a half. Aaron, it's always a pleasure, man. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're doing things a little bit differently this time. Um, I'm going to be speaking for the most part, not entirely, but um, giving a little bit of insight about an update on sort of where I'm at with my trading and sort of what's been going on in my world. Um, I mean, you've been pressuring me into doing this for a while and I've had a bunch of... <laughs> A bunch of emails come through from people just sort of asking me for an update because, I mean, I sort of made it pretty clear on where I was at with my trading in episode one right at the very beginning. I sort of rambled on there for a bit and I just sort of haven't really updated anyone in the meantime. So, I, I sort of thought this might be interesting, just change things up for a little bit. So... Well, Aaron, um, yeah. you were you were missing an important trader in your first twenty five. You only gave people insight in episode one. So, uh, like myself, I came along episode ten, eleven, etc. And uh, I don't know. I I kind of missed the backstory, so I had to I had to Skype you and talk to you longer after the interview. We've developed quite the friendship. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you're going to be sort of firing a few questions my way. So I'm a little bit nervous to be on the other side of the. Um the other side of it now, but um, let's see how I hold up, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me, Aaron, how do you first discover trading? I mean, this is the question you always ask people to lead off with, so it's natural start for you. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good one. So, I mean, I should probably, I should probably go right back to the very beginning, and I, and I'll try and try and not ramble too much. I'll try and keep it fairly brief, you know, just to bring us up to speed. So, I left school when I was about fifteen. I hated school. I couldn't wait to get out of there, and I left school and I moved into an apprenticeship. I don't know. Do you have apprenticeships in the states there? Um, I think it'd be more called like an internship, uh, but apprenticeship feels a, a little more serious and yeah, uh, arduous. It was it was paid, so I was getting paid to do it. I was doing you know thirty eight hours a week. I think I was on. Oh, I'd be lucky if it was five dollars an hour on my first sure. year as an apprenticeship. Kind of goes up each year, but anyway, I was doing an apprenticeship, and that was in uh, sort of graphic design. And anyway, did that. I was qualified by the time I was 19. It was a four-year apprenticeship. And on the side, I'd sort of started up, uh, sort of started a side business, just doing a little bit of freelance design and that sort of thing. Um, just trying to make a little bit of extra money. I mean, I always sort of had a drive to set myself up for the future. Um, you know, I wanted to be well off. I wanted to be wealthy. Um, I don't think there, there's any harm in saying that. Um, you know, I didn't want to be struggling, at, you know, later on in my life. I want to, you know, not have to worry about money at some point. So I sort of felt like I had a long-term kind of vision. So I, you know, started a side job. Um, I ended up, I was pretty good with saving. I ended up buying an investment property when I was uh, about 20 years old. And then from there, I was sort of like, okay, so I'm, I've got a property, you know, what else do, what else do you do? So there was like the next obvious choice was for me to take a look at the stock market. Like I didn't know anything about the stock market or trading um, or in investing and that sort of thing. Like my family's not into it. Uh, none of my friends were into it. Uh, no one I worked with when I had the job. So, you know, I just sort of ended up going along to a, I just sort of jumped on Google, looked up some seminars that were going on in, in Brisbane where I'm at. And there was pretty much just signed up to, to one of the, there wasn't too many. And I just signed up to one that was coming up in the next few weeks. Went along, um, liked what I heard. Um, obviously I was only t probably about 21 at that point. And I don't think I was too hard to convince, but, um, Anyway. Well, you know, there, there's a quick, I want to interject, there's an old saying about the stock market, uh, if you want to make a million dollars, you start with two, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I've heard that one before, that's a good one. So it's, it's uh, real estate or the stock market, but that's so impressive to hear at a young age. Um, I know, as we often joke, uh, while I'm still in my 20s, I'm going to say this, we're both still 20-somethings, but uh, I am continually impressed, man. As you said, you you didn't have too much um, worry about the present. You had a lot of foresight for the future, um, even from an early age. I don't think many 20-year-olds are considering investment properties. I don't know how many 20-year-olds could, could spell investment property. Yeah, I mean, that, that could have sort of had something to do with the fact that I left school when I was 15. I didn't see it all the way through and graduate, that I, that I sort of had those few years experience working. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway... I hope this isn't broadcast to the children out there who are going to drop out of school thinking that they can buy an investment. Pro I'm just kidding, Aaron. <laughs> you are uh, maybe an exception to the rule, but uh, a, a brilliant one. And uh, I don't know, man, I've, I've said this to you before. I'm glad we have you in the stock market now. You're a, a powerful mind and you're helping a lot of other people with the podcast. So <laughs> Thank keep, you. Keep keep be careful. On, you might give me a big head. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, so where was I? So yeah, I signed up. And what I signed up for, I should be a bit more clear. So what I signed up for was, um, you know, essentially um, education on how to trade. And that education sort of involved, you know, a great big thick book, um, a couple of DVDs and a, like weekend workshop. So it was about like two days long. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I went home, obviously got stuck into the book. I watched the DVDs like I put in a fair amount of study. Like I, I didn't bring it home and put it on the shelf and let it collect dust. I got, um, got stuck into it. 
um, it sort of it was it was actually really good. It sort of taught me how to you know chart technical analysis. Like I was actually hand charting, so I spent um, at least probably the first six months before I brought a decent piece of like um, charting software, and I was actually just charting by hand. And I think I think that was a pretty valuable skill to have to actually sort of understand um, understand like how to actually construct a chart without just mm-hmm. having the software do it all for you. Um, sure. You sort of like understand how these tools are actually working, what's going on. So, um, I was, so I was plotting, you know, just a pretty standard bar chart or candle chart and, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, a, with an indicator over top of it that I uh, use occasionally. Um, anyway, the method that this company taught was um, the methods of William Gann, W.D. Gann. Um, and for those who aren't familiar with him, he was sort of considered to be like an early, a Wall Street legend of the early 1900s. I think he passed away around 1950 sort of time. Don't quote me on that though. Sure. And um, his methods were very, um, a lot of them were sort of based on ranges repeating and time repeating and then fractions of those time and ranges. So, I I studied this, this his methods for probably about two years, maybe close to three years, pretty intensively. Um, I also read a bunch of his books multiple times, so I got right into it. And anyway, I sort of, you know, by the time I hit three years, I was like, okay, well, I opened a five five thousand dollar account like way back you know, probably about six months after I started reading up on trading and my account, it's gone up a little bit and then it's come down a little bit and it's just sort of floated around the opening balance. Like it hasn't moved too far. I haven't lost a great deal of money and I haven't made much money. So I was sort of like, you know, time's ticking by. I always sort of feel like there's an urgency and um, I was like, I need to change something from, so what I'm doing just isn't working. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty much how I got into trading. I don't know if I missed any parts out there. No, this is good. I want to interject before we get to how the podcast started, because <clears throat> that's the question that's been on my mind. I'm sure everybody else's mind uh, had you arrive at this point. Before we move on, I want to ask about what appealed to you about GAN? I think most people find GAN more in the intermediate part of their trading career. It's interesting to hear somebody who learned about his methods early on in their trading career. Um, seems a bit daunting. Was it the, I don't want to say artistic balance maybe, but the, um, you don't need to have too much technical understanding of the markets to appreciate maybe a fractal price pattern or an understanding of Fibonacci to make an analogy, right? Yeah. To be perfectly honest, I mean, that was just the first thing that I started learning about. So <laughs> when I when I went along to the seminar that, that one time and I signed up for the education and that sort of thing, it was just, that's what they taught. And I just stuck with it. Like I was always very conscious of not jumping around too much. I didn't want to sort of go from one educator to the other and just sort of spin my wheels. So I just kind of went deeper into that subject because I'd already started getting into it. I just went deeper into it, started learning more and more about him and his methods. And I kind of reached a point where it just seemed a little bit a little bit wishy-washy for my liking. I don't know if that's a good way to describe it, but like it was just a little bit open to interpretation, <laughs> I think. And I'm, I'm not saying that it do- doesn't work. I- I'm not one to say any strategy or any particular way of trading doesn't work because there's always people out there who it works for them, right? I'm just saying for me, I... I just wasn't really vibing with it too well. But in saying that, it did give me a good understanding of, you know, ranges, understanding market um, kind of moves and structure and that sort of thing, Um, different periods like accumulation, distribution, you know, consolidation, all those sorts of different um, repeating ranges, all that sort of stuff. Like I learned, I learned a lot from reading up on GAN. Um, even if it's not how I directly trade today. Yeah, I mean, that's, that leads into uh, all sorts of questions. Are you live trading now? 
Yeah, so I started live trading probably since like about six months into after I started reading, reading up on the stock market and started like educating myself. I didn't, I didn't open a brokerage account and then just, and then decide to get educated. So I, I knew that I had no idea what I was doing. I, I got to get clued up before I put any money into this. So I took that approach. I sort of studied pretty hard for six months and there was a little bit of paper trading in there. I didn't paper trade too much. It, it's, for me, it wasn't really... Um, it's hard I, to have the gravitas of real money, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I sort of struggled with like treating it like real money, even though I'm like, oh, that's losing trade. That's annoying. But it's like, you just don't fully get it. Um, even though recently I've been paper trading a new strategy, which I'm sure we'll get into a bit later, and I have found it very useful. But at the time, at the very beginning... It just, I, I couldn't really find much value in it, to be, to be honest. Um, so I know it works for some early on. It didn't really work for me too early on. So anyway. It's like you had to build the experience to know what would be different and be cognizant of it. Early on, it just seems like I'm not getting something here, but I'm not able to put my finger on what it is that I'm lacking. Yeah, totally. That's, uh, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. So mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've been trading, I opened a $5,000 account, um, and I'd, I'd been trading that sort of ever since. Um, and, and recently I haven't been taking many, um, live trades. Um, but again, I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later. It just sounds like you're in a development cycle. This is something that traders routinely go through. They go through uh, activity cycles and development cycles. You know, sometimes it's best to bunker down, build the strategy, uh, test it, as I know we're getting into um, more of the quantitative stuff, but um, it's a pendulum and it swings back and forth and never ceases. Many traders think, I'm going to do a year of development and I'm going to go make a million dollars for the rest of my life. And I think it's that constant refining uh, and honing of the process a lot of lazy traders don't want to do and it's no surprise why they don't succeed. Um, I was actually going to point this out earlier when you're talking about your development on GAN, uh, your research and understanding, building the bar charts manually. I hope all your listeners pick up on the thing you're really doing right is you're developing mastery of a specific subject before moving on. Even if that subject isn't going to be useful to you, or I should say profitable, it'll still be useful. Um, learning how to learn, learning how to evaluate, learning how to arrive at an actual conclusion instead of it forever being, well, that might be helpful. I'll hang on to it. You kind of need that finite, you know, nail it down kind of nature. And I think you've, you've succeeded in that from what I've seen. So I mean, I don't feel like I've, I, I don't, definitely can't say I've mastered GAN, but there's, there's definitely aspects of, of what I learned from reading up on his material that mm-hmm. I still use. Um, so I don't use like the full package, of course, it's my, my approach is much different now, but there are certain things which stick with me, you know. I feel that same way about Elliott Wave. I always say I'm so glad I learned Elliott Wave and I'm so glad I don't trade Elliott Wave. So I'm, I'm sure I'm going to inspire some anger from a few Elliotticians out there, but I apologize uh, to each their own. So does that bring us up to when you're starting the podcast or, or are there a few more uh, points we want to hit on? Yeah, so I mean, from there, that that probably does lead into the podcast. So, obviously, I'm sort of like three years into this journey, and I'm not seeing huge success, and I'm not seeing massive failure either. And they should consider mm-hmm. not making money as failure, but at least I wasn't losing heaps. I never blew up any accounts or touch wood. I haven't yet. Yet, <laughs> there's still many years in your trading career, my friend. That's an okay thing, by the way. I'm not ragging on Aaron here. I'm giving him a hard time that he's going to blow up an account. Uh, the smartest thing, I think I may have mentioned this in my interview, I put the minimum in. So even when I did blow up an account, it's not the end of the world. It's the most modest loss that you can take. So good on you for being patient. I mean, that's another thing I'd uh, pat you on the back for. Anyway, yeah, continue podcasting. Yeah, so I mean, I my my passion for trading sort of gradually got stronger, and I was just like, "There's no point doing this half-ass." Like, if I want to actually make tra- uh, trade and make some serious money doing this, then I need to, you know, give it my full, well, not say full attention, but I need to give it 
the attention it deserves. Um, so I was sort of like, just in like my circle, I, none of my friends were into trading. Um, you know, none of my family was into it. Just, I just didn't know any traders. I had no one who I could speak to about trading um, who understood it. Um, so there was, I felt like, I've used this analogy, you've probably heard this 10 times, Zach, when I've been speaking to <laughs> others, but like, if you want to be a mechanic, right, you hang around with people who talk about cars, work on cars, fix cars, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a trader yet. I didn't know a single trader. So there was kind of a disconnect there. And I felt like that was, that was partly my issue is I couldn't learn from anyone who was more experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been a fan of podcasts. Um, I always listen to podcasts and I was just like, you know, this would be really cool. I'd love to speak it could be a really good platform that would allow me to speak with other traders. Um, and, you know, I can ask them a bunch of questions. It was sort of a podcast that I was looking for to, that I would like to listen to myself, but I couldn't really find one that sort of really grabbed my attention too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, well, you know, I'll create it myself. And I, you know, I have the the graphic and web design knowledge, which I, briefly mentioned earlier um to sort of you know put together a website you know just jumped online if you want to learn anything you know you can just jump online these days looked up how to set up a podcast and just read up on it brought a bunch of equipment and then just started yeah emailing some traders so i gotta ask um and i'm such an old fuddy-duddy here why podcasts as a medium not to challenge you but like in such a visual profession so many charts to do a podcast seems almost backwards, but you've had such great success. I mean, it's definitely quality of the people you brought on. <clears throat> I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> as well as uh, the quality of the interviews, man. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to who have, uh, and so I will on behalf of all listeners, thank you for what you're doing and for putting it out there, man. I hope you know that. And uh, probably not the only time I'm going to thank you on this, man, on behalf of everybody. Um, go ahead, then. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And it was something that kind of did run through my mind. Mm-hmm. It did run through my mind when I um, was initially, you know, sort of scheming. <laughs> but, I mean, podcasts, you can listen to it anywhere. You know what I mean? Where a video, you've got to be, you've got to be sitting down and you've, it's, it takes your attention. You know what I mean? Like you can't be, I mean, a, a lot of people listen to podcasts at the gym driving to work, I don't know, a bunch of different places. Whereas if you're watching a video, it's, you, can't be really do, you can't really be doing anything else. And right. I know, it's so accessible. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, accessible. That's a great word. It was, yeah, the video, and I mean, I didn't, what was I going to put on the video? I mean, I'd have to ask the guests to sort of share their screen kind of thing. And I mean, a lot of it, when we, when we talk about setups and that kind of thing, would be nice if we could have some visuals and that's maybe something I'll, I'll consider, you know, sort of further down the track is how we can maybe sort of work that in. But like for the part where they're sort of discussing their journey and that sort of thing, like we can get away with it on a podcast, I feel. so. I love that you can hear so much emotion and experience and sometimes burden in traders' voices. Um, you know what I mean? I'm talking to a trader and you just, you, you feel like you're talking, uh, you know, somebody with a thousand yard stare. Mm. Uh, and I know you're really good at this. You pick up on the words that people choose to describe certain topics. Um, mm-hmm. I just know I, you're really good at pulling the quotes from each of the article interview or the interviews. Um, it's always impressed me when I was after my interview or something. And I, I was like, I said that? And I was like, man, Aaron is smart. You're paying attention to me more than I'm paying attention to me. Uh, but it makes it really cool to read through some of the interviews and, and find those quotes and hear them, hear, you know, the, the interviewee say it. Um, so definitely, I mean, I can appreciate the audio is really the most important part of connecting uh, and putting a voice, you know, a persona to a name or some charts. Uh, it's all very dry and distant and the voice is so, you know, personal and connecting. Yeah. And I mean, podcasting, it's just, um, it's just got, 
it's just so much more engaging than reading a blog article, right? So, I mean, I could interview someone by email. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I could just turn that into a blog post, like a written blog post. It's not that it, you know, I'm sure it would be a good read still, but. You can post it on your GeoCities page back in 1999. <laughs> I can't say I know what that is, but. <laughs> that, wow. Okay. The age disparity is real. How old are you, Aaron? I've, I don't know if you've ever mentioned this on the podcast. Um, yeah, I'm 24. So, God, geez, 25. Kids these days, man. 25 in 25. December. Uh, so, where'd that come from? 25 in September. <laughs> you need to review your notes about your birthday. I'm just. Oh, uh, I try to forget it. I try to forget it, to be honest. <laughs> it's all good. Dude, I know people are probably impressed and a bit daunted listening to you. When I first met you, I was like, man, this guy's going to be in his 30s. Or so. Oh, he's five years younger than me. Great. Great. Um, you know, I was well, actually I mean, going yeah, well, I mean, I've got, you know, some guys listening, uh, you know, 19, 20, 21, like I was emailing a guy last night who's been listening to the podcast and, and reached out and he was only 21. And I was like, you know, well done, man. Like it's, it's a great age days, to be getting man. into it. Yeah. Do you remember the, um, not to put you on the spot here, but the email that you got from the father-son duo who had listened to your podcast while driving cross-country? Yeah, yeah, that was that was really cool one to receive. Actually, I wish I could. Um, g- g- I wish I could give them a shout out so I could mention their name. But um, yeah, father and son uh, dropped me a line to mention that they'd been on a road trip across um, across the state somewhere. I can't remember where it was, but they were on a road trip. It was about ten hours, and they smashed out about ten episodes of the podcast. So I was like. Wow. Congrats for, for putting up with me for that long. <laughs> well, and having something cool to discuss and kind of bond over. I, I just think it's neat that you're giving people experiences like far beyond probably what you expected when you started this. And this is another thing. Sorry, I'm, I'm you know, giving you a bunch of praise here. <laughs> but uh, man, you started this in January of 2015. Mm. What, like, what? You know what I mean? I don't know how else to say it other than I'm brutally impressed, man. Uh, you've had a tremendous following and it's just, it's, it's cool to see it grow. And I'm, I'm thrilled to hear from people uh, still to this day, three months after my interview, I'm sure you hear from every single day um, who have found some value in this. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely like to connect with anyone listening. So, I mean, I'll just Be mention it right now. what you ask for, my friend. I learned <laughs> from being on episode 11 where I offered a free consult and in the best of ways, I was overwhelmed, but uh, it's cool to see such a response. There's no other way to put it. And I know you're genuine in offering to reach out to be where have people reach out to you. Yeah. So, I mean, if anyone wants to drop me a line at any point, just shoot me an email. My email address is just Aaron at chatwithtraders.com. Otherwise, just hit me yeah. up on Twitter at chatwithtraders. But yeah, um, that's, that's a bit of a side note. Um, so, where were we? So, um, I was going to ask you actually about swing trading versus day trading, because when I first met you... Uh, you know, so many months ago, I'm kidding, back in January, uh, you were predominantly a swing trader, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've always swing traded since I very first started reading up and, and learning about how to trade, how to become a trader. Uh, swing trading was just sort of, again, it was just the first thing that I was introduced to and I just sort of stuck with it. Um, I always knew about day trading, but I never gave it a I never attempted it or, or bothered mm-hmm. to read up on it because all the material that I had on GAN, and I don't mean to keep bringing up GAN, but um, it was it was all swing trading. It was all swing trading. And um, so it could be anywhere from holding a position to, you know, a couple of days to potentially a couple of weeks. Um, and I kind of liked that. I kind of liked that approach because, I mean, you know, like a, a lot of swing traders, I had a job, you know, I was working, um, I used to do shift work a little bit, but for the most part, I was, you know, working during the day. So I couldn't really watch the market too closely during the day. Um, yeah, so with my swing trading, once I sort of started to move away from GAN, I, like I mentioned, I took some aspects that I really liked from from his methods and just some other things that I'd observed, uh, just some particular setups. And I just tried to refine those a little bit and just get a bit more specific on on what I was actually trading. 
um, because with his approach, there's a lot of variables and a lot of different things to take into consideration. I tried to sort of almost dumb it down a little bit and just try and set myself some rules, create like a bit of a trading plan and say, I trade this setup and this setup looks like, you know, A, B, C, D. And I guess how smart that is that you're, you're going through the boot camp before going to war. I think we were joking about this before. Like most people go to war, get shot a bunch, come back, try and take boot camp, aren't really motivated to go through. It's such a backwards process. And it's so refreshing to hear uh, somebody, especially as a novice in the stock market, so to speak, uh, who's that diligent and disciplined. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that this this approach led me to huge success because it hasn't yet, but um, it, it was just an approach that made sense to me at the time I was doing it. Um, so I did that and I was taking, and I would take these, I would take these trades, you know, as they came up, as I saw them, as I saw them setting up, I would, you know, take these trades, I'd trade them with a live account. Um, you know, a lot of them would lose occasionally, I'd get a winning trade. Um, and I'd sort of go back over them, I'd try and see what the differences were, you know, just that usual sort of thing. Um and try and refine my rules a little bit. Um, but this particular setup, so my swing trading setup, so I, I try to narrow it down, dumb it down, like I said, and just focus on, you know, one particular setup, which had a couple variables. And this setup sort of didn't come around too often. Like it wouldn't be strange for me to be out of the market for a couple of weeks at a time. And I sort of had the idea that if I want to excel my learning curve, then I need to be, get more screen time in and I need to be, you know, sitting out of the market for three weeks while I'm still checking it each day, you know, end of day. It's not very exciting. And I feel like I'm, it's slowing down my learning process. So that was about the time when, when, you know, we were introduced by Peter Zhang and, um, you sort of introduced me to VWAP uh, and the VWAP sort of the, the strategy that you were trading and, and those sorts of methods. So that kind of led me into intraday trading to kind of fill that gap of having periods where I was out of the market for a few weeks at a time waiting for a setup to come around. So that was a great pun with gap, by the way. I have to comment on that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. They started at the beginning, reimagining the bond screener with an intuitive design that helps you zero in on the exact kinds of bonds you're looking for. Then they made it easier to evaluate each investment opportunity with better data in the places you need it most. Finally, they made investing in bonds as straightforward as stocks or any other asset. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. Um, you notice also what you're identifying, I just want to point this out, is that you had you needed more quick like uh, response time in your signals. You needed to know if you were right or wrong more than once every six weeks. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. It, like I yeah. said, it's it's just like dragging out that that learning process too much. Like I feel like I've you know already been doing this for a few years. Let's try and speed things up a bit. <laughs> if you're not careful, you're going to be my age, man. You're going to be an old fart at 29. <laughs> so I'm just well, kidding. Yeah, better watch out. <laughs> so this is when we started talking. We we're uh, speaking more intraday, and this gets you into a bit of quantitative trading. Although uh, we're both a bit nascent quantitative traders, right? Mm. Yeah, so this is probably going to lead me on a bit of a tangent here, and I'm not saying that it's right. I'm just saying this is kind of where I'm at in my head right now. And I mean, the more I learn, the more I'm starting to see things like this. Sure. So let's say you've got a particular setup or you've got a strategy, okay? So you can, um, you can look at a chart and you can say, this is where I would have entered, this is where I would have exited, and that would have been a winning trade, right? Following the rules that you've mentioned in your trading plan and your setup, that would have resulted in a winning trade right, right there. But if you were to take that same strategy and that same setup and, a, and look at 100 other charts, you're going to see that strategy and that signal, whatever you want to call it, where it's triggered and it would have resulted in a losing trade. So how do you know if there's a genuine edge to that setup if you don't have the hard, if you don't have numbers to to put to it, so you don't know how many times that setup is expected to result in a profit, how many times that setup is expected to result in a loss, you you have no idea. You know that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But you, see, so, so you, I was, I'm just very unclear on how you know if there's an edge in that setup. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I don't know if I explained that very well. No, I know what you mean. <clears throat> Most traders exist in this like state of unknowing. And then, so it's a common place of, I've seen great examples of success on the charts in front of me. I've also seen terrible failures. I kind of believe that I'm going to intrinsically find more successes than failures. But if I don't really know with what likelihood I'm going to find a winner or a loser, I can't really calculate a viable risk reward that'll generate profit consistently for me. That state of unknowing is what keeps people from being quantitative traders. They're afraid of what if I'm wrong? What if I find out I have no edge? Like, but I'd always ask, like, what, what if you find out you do have an edge? This is the, we talked about this before, the inescapable truth of quantitative trading. Like you have to know one way or another. If you have an edge, you deserve to be trading with that confidence. And if you don't have an edge, you have to know that right now you have to find that out as soon as possible to avoid future losses yeah so that particular you know swing trade setup that i'd that i that i kind of mentioned before that i'd that i'd focused in on and just trading that particular setup with a couple variations like i knew that sometimes resulted in a very nice winning trade and i knew it also resulted in losses you know sometimes so sure i didn't know Without without knowing if I was to take if I was to trade that a hundred times, where I would where I would stand at the end of that hundred trades, I don't know if I'd be up or down. You know it's what I like mean? You're talking about the difference between belief and knowledge. When you believe that something is going to be good, that's fine, right? But if you know it's going to be good, I mean, it's a very different. Uh, you operate from a different point of confidence and clarity. Mm. kind of remove the emotion when it's not you're hoping for this to work out because you don't know, but rather you've already asked and answered those questions. Yeah, so this kind of led me into wanting to learn how to code and kind of led me in that sort of quantitative direction of trading. Uh, So, I mean, still in the very, very early stages of that. Um, And I mean, you know, you were partly responsible for sort of leading me into in in that direction just to, to a certain extent with um <laughs> I'll take know, the credit or the blame whatever it ends <laughs> up being like um you sort of introduced me to uh think script at least and um you know yeah we sort of started going through some think script documentation i started reading up on the 
the ThinkScript um, manual on the website. And just a little context for people who may not know, ThinkScript is a JavaScript derivative used by TD Ameritrade's Thinkorswim. The reason why I thought this would be a good starting point for someone like Aaron is it's free, it's pretty accessible, it's well documented, and I happen to know it inside and out. So I felt like it was a good starting point for us. But I got to be honest, Aaron, I've never seen anybody take to code like you have. Um, and I, I know you're going to be humble and say, well, I'm still working on it. But I've been very impressed. I gave you the assignment, quote unquote, of looking at the manual. Three days later, you come back and you're like, yeah, take a look at this script. And I'm just, oh my God. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's partly because I come from having the knowledge in web design. So, I mean, I know a little bit of CSS. I know some basic HTML, but I mean, I know you don't build an algorithm out of CSS, but it's sort of, I'm not completely code illiterate, if that makes sense. So, I mean, I've got a little bit of an understanding on how you might kind of put something together. Even though when we start dealing with languages like ThinkScript and I've more recently started getting into Python, uh, which is pretty exciting, well, for me anyway, um, it's a very, very steep learning curve. But I, th I think that's having that sort of web design background, I don't, I don't know that's a huge benefit, but it just sort of made me think that, you know. Well, it sounds like organizationally that would benefit anybody just to have considered, well, what components am I going to need to build a web page? Mm. Um, and I don't know if you can code an algo in CSS, but if you did, it'd be a beautiful <laughs> and well-organized uh, cascading algorithm. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm certain, I'm certain that helped you. Uh, having a predilection or predisposition is really the right word to code. You've seen it before. You've experienced it before. You've had errors before. Things haven't displayed properly and you've had to debug them. So it's like you're talking about the logic of any code as well as a little bit of syntax. And I've noticed the same thing with CSS. There's a lot of parallels between that and JavaScript, um, which probably led you to your early development in ThinkScript and now moving, like you said, more towards Python. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, something that I haven't really, you know, obviously we speak quite often, but I haven't really spoken to you too much about this topic, and that is how I have been getting quite deep into Python um, or starting trying to learn it you know, putting a lot of time into it. And I've sort of set a goal for myself to have, I know it's a little bit vague right now, but to have some sort of automated trading signal or setup that is automated. And in roughly about six months, so sort of by the end of the year, I'm hoping that I can be somewhere close to having an automated trading signal. And that, that signal would look something like this. It would be a swing trade uh, set up so it'd be based off technical analysis and certain like you know chart patterns it would probably hold trades for you know a couple days to maybe a week or two and it would run through interactive brokers so that's kind of how I picture it and anybody who's thinking out there man six months to go fully automated I think you have to consider how smart Aaron's being about the finite or like discrete kind of, um, not to say simple, but the straightforward nature of what you might define as an automated system. It just has to be something that you trust the output of because you've tested it. It doesn't have to be a 20-component intermarket analysis signal. It can be buying a moving average crossover near the 200 moving average or whatever you want. Uh, it can be something very straightforward. So uh, I think it's good on you to keep it limited and it gives you an attainable goal, especially early on. You can always expand from there, yeah. So something I probably wanted to ask you was setting myself a goal of, of trying to achieve that in six months. I don't know if that's a little bit naive, considering I've never gone through this process of identifying a signal, testing it, and you know, go through the different processes of taking that trade to a level where it's then automated, plugged mm -hmm. into your broker. Is six months, is that a little bit ambitious or like how achievable do you think that is? Well, okay, so we have to examine this um, at the time frame that you're trying to trade. So given it's a swing system, I think that's smart. It's kind of the Goldilocks approach. If you're trying to trade on the shortest 
of terms, you know, an automated day trading system. You got to consider execution routes, market impact, slippage, commissions, all these things because you're in a frequently trading system. And that's not even HFT. I'm just talking about an automated intraday system. Mm-hmm. On the other end of the spectrum, if you're a portfolio manager, you have all sorts of other considerations, fundamentals, intermarket moves, as I was kind of joking about before. Um, I think you're doing it right by approaching it from the most accessible point. You're kind of trying to establish a beachhead of what if I did have a signal that I had vetted, I had evaluated, I had tracked for months, and I understood intimately. I'd feel comfortable deploying that uh, you know, automatically. That's smart, and it's definitely doable within six months. I think if you'd go to portfolio management, that's a million other problems you haven't even considered yet. Intraday trading, another million problems in a different direction. So um, you're riding the knife's edge of potential here, Aaron, not to make it sound dire, but I I think it's very doable. And also given your coding background, uh, and you seem to have found a, a good few dozen expert traders to talk to. One or two of them may know a thing or two about code you could talk to. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're going you're gonna to bang this out some. Yeah, yeah. Well, I certainly hope so. I mean, that's sort of why I've, why I've been leaning towards Python. Obviously, living outside of the States, I can't uh, fund, a, fund an account with Thinkorswim. And I believe Thinkorswim do have do have the capacity to deal with automation. Is that correct? They do, but uh, here I'll show my true colors. I promise, guys, I'm not a think or swill, a think or swim shill. Uh, they are pretty expensive. And so if you're talking automated trading, the biggest worry for me is that uh, you would have 20 trades a day and commissions would eat your lunch. So it's smart of you to probably work with something a little lower commission and a little more flexible that has a good API, like interactive brokers. Um, I've heard pretty much nothing but good things about them. I I actually spoke to other traders in the past few days who've been working on the IB API and and they had good things to say about it too. So um, you notice what you're doing is you're trying to do this efficiently. You're not devoting your entire life, you know, 20 hours a day and barely sleeping to learning Python. Um, But similarly, you're not so far removed from it that you're not going to get anywhere. I think you're setting attainable goals for yourself. And look at how this parallels a trader's like profit and loss development. When you set unattainable goals, can you blame yourself for failing? Not really. You can blame yourself for setting shitty goals. So similarly, by saying, I'm not trying to develop the next HFT, and I'm not going to build a massive portfolio system, I'm going to backtest a signal. I'm going to evaluate and vet and then approve the signal. And then I'm going to start it, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, That could be trading once a week. It could be trading a couple times a week. Uh, It depends on how selective you are, but I think you're being reasonable about it. So if nothing else, maybe talking to, uh, you know, 25 veterans of the market has, has aged you a bit and scared you, Um, you know, you're keeping it, keeping it real, which is, which is smart. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm pretty excited. I mean, learning, learning Python and and this sort of quantitative approach, um, I find it fascinating. It's, it's really interesting to me. So. Um, well, and let's I'm, go back to the thing we say we were saying before about you have to know one way or another. There's that great Mike Belfiore quote that you were telling me before. Do you remember it? Yeah. So when I uh, interviewed Mike and I was thrilled to, to get the opportunity to speak with him, Mike Belfiore, he, he mentioned a quote which really stuck with me. And that was, um, a lot of traders confuse a la- uh, psychology with a lack of edge. So I'll repeat that. A lot of traders confuse psychology with a lack of edge. And I mean, that, that just really stuck with me. Um, and I mean, that sort of came back to that point, which I tried to explain earlier. I don't know how clear I was, but like, how do you know if you have an edge? Mm-hmm. Like if you can't put any numbers to, to what you can expect from trading a particular setup, then how do you know if there's a genuine edge to be had in that? And I mean, I'm not saying that you can't make money as a discretionary trader at all. Definitely not saying that. I'm just saying this is like sort of the train of thought that I have right now. It feels like it's more personally exacting. You have to be right. You have to be precise. And I think we were joking about this before. It's like, um, it's like the idea of a tongue twister, right? That's Humans are not good at being... Uh, you know, precise and uh, doing these repetitive tasks always. And it's just, it's asking too much of us 
to be a hundred percent right or, or to be a hundred percent, you know, buying the low, selling the top. I think it's very smart to to adopt the quantitative approach. You're right, but but definitely, we both know many successful discretionary traders. So who who are we to judge, right? Totally, absolutely. So yeah, all right. Well, let's uh, let's keep this moving. Sure. So uh, it's funny because the next topic I had for you was just tied to the Mike Bellafiore quote. The what are some other maybe quotes or, or episodes? Um, that have stuck with you. This is something I've always, you know, wanted to know your your uh, view on. What are some episodes that you think people should go and listen to that maybe they may not have caught the first time? Yeah, so probably probably a couple of the interviews which I I feel probably deserve a little bit more attention than maybe what they did receive um, would maybe be uh, Tim Walker's interview. So I spoke with him on episode six. And um, funny enough, that was actually the very first interview I ever, ever recorded. So from my side, it's a little bit sketchy, but um, <laughs> Tim definitely delivers some great insights. And he is a game trader, um, but even if you're not interested in that type of thing, I think it's still well worth a listen because it, the, the majority of the interview is, is based on just sort of general trading foundations. Um, it's it's really good one to check out. So, and then probably the other one is more recent, and um, I'm not being biased because I know um, this is this is David Bush who who mentored you as you were coming up. Oh, sure. So, his interview I found really really interesting, especially like a lot of his answers um, were almost kind of inspiring. Um, from how he's come from sort of like a musician background, he's been a discretionary trader for many years. And then he's gradually taught himself to um, to creating what he described as like a meta system where he's got like up to 30 to 50 sort of different strategies all sort of tied into one um, and how he now uses that to just sort of views, views trading in a totally different way. So he now like um, oversees trades instead of yeah. jumping on a trade and hoping that's going to result in a profit he doesn't really care if there's a few losers um just as as long as the overall result is positive Um, that's that really smart like quantitative trader distance that um and you know an algo trader will try and adopt of this doesn't reflect poorly on me if a trade doesn't work i'm in charge of overseeing all these things it's like being a manager Mm. you feel bad if one of your employees has to get fired like yeah look that that's unpleasant but it's not your fault most likely right um, it just didn't work out with the employee. And very similarly, having that um, oversight or overseeing. I've always loved about Dave that he was really articulate. Like you're right about the answers being almost inspiring. I think about like I could take a year to write a white paper that wouldn't sound as good as the stuff he says off the cuff half the time. But uh, yeah, well, yeah. You've had, I mean, you've had so many great traders on um what can I say? I definitely liked uh, Tim Walker as well, episode six, and and of course Dave, episode twenty three. So yeah, so those would those would probably be like the two interviews which I think everyone should should probably listen to. I mean, I'm probably saying Dave a little bit more so because um, he's definitely in that quantitative space, which is really grabbed me right now. So sure, I mean that's another reason why I found that really fascinating. But uh, yeah, definitely Dave's interview and, and Tim Walker's, and I mean. I mean, I don't want to try and like single out those two and say they were the best, but like, yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone is like giving incredible answers. So I'm really grateful for everyone who's, you know, given up their time and, and been open for an interview because everyone, I mean, everyone's been really honest with their answers. So no one's really shied away from anything and try to, you know, squirm their way out of it. It's been, it's been really good. And credit to you for being humble. Uh, so I'll brag on your behalf, but the ebook as well. Uh, that you recently put out. I'm obviously honored to be in that as well, but uh, some great responses from the other traders. I loved getting to go through and see what other people would have said. Um, mm. It's just such a down-to-earth kind of like, what What if you could go back five years in time and speak to yourself? What do you wish you could have told her? You know, not five years necessarily, maybe many, many more years uh, if you're a more experienced trader, but just uh, it's cool to hear, I say this, the insight you would have given to yourself. 
you yeah. know, or you would, you know, would have given to others or you could give to others right now. Yeah. So. It's like that, that one lesson that you wish someone would have told you. I mean, that's what the book's called. So if, if anyone's listening and they haven't had a chance to check that out, um, just go to, I can't remember the direct link to it, but if you just go to chatwithtraders.com, you'll see ebook as a link in the top menu. Um, so you can go there, check that out um, and download that. It's free to download. And this, this brings us to a good, a good point. So you had a piece in that book, Zach, and that was um, the one thing that you wish someone would have told you when you were sort of starting out. And that was, um, you mentioned you would like, you wish someone would have said that you need to disassociate yourself from the identity, the image and the persona of being a trader. So what exactly does this mean to you? Like, and, and why is that important? I just think that so many traders are in this game to tell other people that they're traders. I think so much of it is the, I want to say like badge of courage. Like, you know, it's the thing we wear, the chip, there we go. The, the chip of, of courage that we wear on our shoulders. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we've got a chip on our shoulder. Like it's the ego and mentality of, I don't want to say machismo because I've seen it in female traders too, but uh, this kind of uber over competitiveness feeling that they need to prove it to everyone around them. The truth is that nobody really cares and nobody values it that highly anyway. Most people don't understand what you do. They don't care what you do. They think you're a gambler in any case. It's up to you to prove them wrong. Not prove them wrong like by talking a big game. It's not by prove them wrong by having enough monitors, although I'll be honest, I'm pretty guilty of that. I've got five sitting in front of me here. But... Uh, you know, it's the trappings and um, kind of fluff, I think I called it, that we tell ourselves when we don't have an edge about, you know, I'm going to be something one day. I'm so close. I, I hear that all the time uh, from my, my trading students. I'm, I'm this close, Zach. I just got to get, you know, the next. And everybody is that close to something in their life. Um, many so, times with, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so let me just cut in there and. Yeah. For those who do feel like they're so close, but just not quite there, I mean, I think, I mean, I felt like that for, for quite a while. I mean, I'm still not there, but mm-hmm. now I've realized that I am quite a way away. <laughs> but like, wh- why do they feel like they're so close, but just not quite there? Like something's just not clicking yet. Like what, what's the reason for that? Hmm. Like, why do they feel that way? Yeah. Um, you know, we were talking about it before with the kind of, I can observe a single chart that works. I will never know about the 99 others that don't. Traders are not pretty honest with themselves about tracking a system or strategy. Um, cherry picking is prevalent. Curve fitting is throughout this industry, uh, and especially at the retail level, because you get guys who are not knowledgeable enough to backtest or to do an, a, an appropriate or robust backtest. They just find anecdotal evidence. And I think I'd said something on my podcast about intuitive, anecdotal, and mathematical. Like, you've got to have all three. It can't just be, I've seen this happen before, and therefore it is a rule, and this is my strategy, and I will continue to find great charts like this. You know, you may have found the, uh, what should I say here, the far right edge of the distribution, let's say. You may have found the best trade, and you're holding that as the kind of most frequent occurrence in the data set. I don't think people have a lot of perspective on how far they might be. And so maybe this is something that I would credit you with. You are humble and self-aware in that by talking to many other expert traders, you realize like, my God, these guys are still struggling through it and developing. And they're 20, 25 years into this business. If I'm five years into this business, how much more development must I have ahead of me? And so you're, you're, you've been humbled without having to pay the tuition. Does that make sense? You've not blown up an account, but you've learned from many others who have. I don't think a lot of traders are aware of the misfortunes of others around them. They're not realistic about how 80% of traders are gone every year. They just stop trading. And a new uh, 80%, I'm I'm definitely kind of um, uh, incorrect in these statistics, but you see what I'm saying about there's a high turnover rate in this profession. Uh, I don't know. No doubt. I mean, that's that kind of uh, reminds me of something Adam Grimes mentioned when I interviewed mm-hmm. him on what was that? That was episode twenty-one. And yeah, he I forgot. Was like, he was another great interview too. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. He was like, you, 
you never arrive as a trader. Like you don't reach a level and you're like, okay, I'm now a trader. I've made it. You're like, he's like, you're all, you just become a trader. You just always, I'm not explaining this very well. We're doing it no, justice. No, no, no. This, this ties into what we were saying earlier uh, with the pendulum of development, that it's a never ceasing swinging of the pendulum. Mm. You don't just develop for a year and then go be a trader. You develop, you trade. You develop, you trade. You develop, you trade. And eventually you're 90 years old and you're a multi-billionaire and you stop trading. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the plan, right? Uh, that would be so, the ultimate. <laughs> six months from now, an automated strategy. 20 years from now, the world. Uh, yeah, I think, I don't know. Um, uh, that, I mean, it just it ties in perfectly, I think, with what we're saying about the, it's a continual process. And the people who, maybe that's why people feel they're so close. And think about that. That's actually really funny that it ties in. When you think there's a destination in mind, you're always so close. Just one more day of travel, just one more hour, just one more mile. But what if it was about the journey? What if it really was just about driving? You never would focus on how close or how far you were. You're just driving. Mm. Yeah. Do you see where I'm kind of going with this? For the sake of the drive. I don't mean to get too cheesy and philosophical. I know we're all here for the money too, but, and this speaks to why traders often don't get where they're trying to go. The market, and this is a Denise Schull, I believe, quote, about the market as a mirror. It represents whatever you need it to represent. For many of us, it's the, the thing ever out of our reach. We're never going to master all of the market. We're never going to nail it down, but the challenge, the chase, the puzzle, the struggle, it's all part of some self-betterment process that often parallels what's going on in your life. And actually, we've talked about this on the pre-call too, life and work balance, finding time to be a trader, but also finding time to be a human being outside of trading. I've definitely spent many a, many a month or a week you know, zoned in on this and uh, could have done better on the life balance side, so I'll admit to that. Yeah, that's it's very easy to do that. It's uh, I think we're all guilty of that too. To a it certain wasn't so extent. damn exciting, and then we'd uh, we'd give up on it after a while and, and go do something normal. But it's the, you know what I'm saying about the ever uh, the ever further away you know goal. It's kind of inspiring in a way. It's um, something to chase after. Yeah, you know, totally, totally. Well, I mean, we've been we've been chatting for about an hour or so now. So, I mean, we should probably probably start to wrap this up. But are there any sort of is there anything I've maybe missed or anything you'd like to add to the, to add to the conversation and maybe some topics we might have skipped over? Well, you remember we came up with that really funny kind of four-stage development of the trader. Guys, before we were on this call, uh, Aaron and I were talking a little bit about how traders develop and the commonality of their development and how some traders do things very differently. But um, yeah. I don't mean to put words in your mouth, Aaron. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take, like I said, credit or blame for this quote, but... Uh, yeah, you so know, you, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so you were mentioning that like a lot of traders they start out and they they make money. Um, and they have no idea why. Yeah. And then they lose yeah. money and they still don't know why. <laughs> yeah. And then they they're still losing money, but they know why. They realize why. Yeah, they why. have some idea of what's going on. And then eventually start making money and know the reasons for it. So it's kind of like those four stages kind of thing. So do you want to just sort of elaborate on that a little bit further yeah yeah i mean i just think it's funny the like parallelism of the construction of that phrasing like you make money but don't know why you lose money but don't know why you lose money but kind of figure out why and eventually maybe you make money and know why stage two is the elephant graveyard of traders that is where so so many careers have ended in the losing money and not knowing why i know that's not groundbreaking i think Many people find themselves at that point right now, probably. I hope you're inspired to recognize that like, it's minimizing the money lost relative to the amount of experience gained. And so this is kind of like another traderism of you'll always pay the tuition, but will you attend the class? Do you see what I'm saying? Like Everybody's going to lose some money. It might take you $5, $500, $5,000, $500,000 to learn the lessons of the market. And everybody's moving at a different speed. I mean, this is like what we were saying about the paralleling of life development too. 
everybody is progressing through life at a different speed, and, and that's okay. Uh, it's the people who pay attention and uh, try and learn these lessons early. So, uh, you know, after this interview, I'm going to go hop in a time capsule, go back five years in time, and read that entire ebook to myself. Um, <laughs> and then I'll call you from my yacht in the future because, you know, I'll be a millionaire at that point. So, <laughs> if only, uh, if only. Right. And we'll, I'm sure we'll expound more on that in the future. I think that's a great topic. Like the path of a trader what is common? What is typical? What should people pay attention to? You know, so often it's like we learn these things after the fact because that's when we build the experience. Man, I got I'll throw in another thank you. You are doing a great service to the community of traders by putting other great traders and yourself now finally huh, out there uh, as an example for others. I mean, it's it's just brilliant. And like I said, and I think a Twitter message or retweet. Where were you five years ago? Where, where were you when I was learning how to trade? Like, why didn't I have this? Uh, it would have been phenomenal. So, Aaron, <laughs> sincerely, man, on behalf of everybody, thank you so much, and thanks for coming on the uh, coming on your own broadcast. <laughs> and uh, it, it was a pleasure to have you on your broadcast. And uh, now, sincerely, man, it was, it was it was good fun, and um, looking forward to to continuing conversations and and that auto strategy in six months' time. Yeah, for sure. So I'll have to keep everyone updated on now that now that I've that I've put it out there, I can't um go back on it now. So better <laughs> better knuckle down. But um yeah, thanks so much for doing this, Zach. It was um it was really good to sort of get you to come in and kind of take my seat um and, and swap sides uh for this episode. So we sort of changed it up a little bit. But um yeah, I mean swap hope- sides Swap sides of the earth. When you said change seats, I was thinking, man, it's going to take me 25 hours to get there. Well, we are on diametrically opposite sides of this planet, guys. I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio, and Aaron is in Brisbane. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, that's that's a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so if anyone wants to get in touch with you, Zach, where's how's the best way to do that? Yeah, sure. You can shoot me an email at Trading Coach Z or Trading Coach Z. For those of you in the States, that's T-R-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-A-C-H-Z at gmail.com. Or you can always hit me up on uh, Twitter at Zach Hurwitz. All right, good one. And if anyone wants to get in touch uh, with me for any reason, um, more than happy to to speak with you know anyone. I mean, that was partly my reason for starting this podcast, like I mentioned right at the start, that I'm you know keen to connect with other traders and you know just build a bit of a community and you know, bounce ideas off each other and just kind of help each other out. So, I mean, my email address is Aaron at chatwithtraders.com and my Twitter handle is at chatwithtraders. So, you can catch me on either one of those. And, um, yeah, I will um, We'll have to do this again sometime, Zach, and, um, yeah, drill down on things a little bit more. I think six months and one day from now we're going to have to have another interview no I'm kidding don't anyone mark that in your calendars I'm just giving you a hard time Aaron thank you so much for having me on man it's always a pleasure and uh, anytime no trouble alright guys take care and um, take care Zach we'll speak to you soon you've come to the end of this episode of chat with traders but don't worry more great episodes are on the way to stay updated with each great new episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, and we'd love it if you leave us a rating and review. We'll see you next time on Chat with Traders.